Hi, I'm Bob Ekblad. Welcome to my podcast, Disciple, Word, Spirit, Justice, Witness. I've been reflecting a lot this last week on Mark's Gospel, and I've been very moved by Mark chapter 1, beginning in verse 29, and, uh, but I'm actually going to start with verse 35 right now first. It says, In the early morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left, and went away to a secluded place and was praying there. Now here the term secluded place is actually the term um, like a wilderness place. Aramos is the term, and that's the term for like the desert or the wilderness. And so Jesus here is actually leaving the house of, uh, of Simon's mother-in-law. And Simon was one of Jesus's first disciples, right? And um, if we go back a little bit in just the Gospel of Mark, we see that after Jesus's baptism, he was um, impelled by the Spirit, like, like driven, <clears throat> cast out of the land by the Spirit into the desert. And, um, and there in the desert, he was uh, being tempted by, this, by Satan for 40 days, and he was with wild beasts. And, uh, and so the desert, is uh, that's where it first appears in Mark's Gospel. And now it's being mentioned again, Jesus is going into the wilderness. And um, also the last line here, it says that angels were ministering to him. And so it's interesting, Jesus sees the, the wilderness as a place where um, I think he recharges, right? He, uh, it's a place where he's, he's driven by the Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is, has his first experience of a desert is to be, is to be, you know, cast out of the land or, or impelled out there. And, um, and then um, that's where he's tempted, but he overcomes the temptations. So God is with him and he experiences angels ministering to him. So, so then after that, Jesus preaches in Galilee and he's preaching on the kingdom of God. And then he goes uh, to the sea of Galilee and that's where he sees Simon and Andrew the brother of Simon casting a net into the sea for they were fishermen. And he calls them, follow me and I will make you become fishers of people. And then he goes on and calls others. And then he comes to Capernaum where he is, um, you know, right in our story here. And in Capernaum, the first thing he does, he's in, um, in the synagogue on the Sabbath. So he's with religious insiders and he has this experience of, of teaching and people are are really moved by his authority, you know, the Jewish religious people. And then there's a man in there with an unclean spirit, and uh, and they have a confrontation, and Jesus casts out the unclean spirit. And uh, right after that, we have Peter going um, from the synagogue to the house of Simon and Andrew uh, with James and John, and that's where Simon's mother-in-law was lying sick with a fever. So once again, we're dealing with, um, I guess in a way we could say insiders, because uh, we have a disciple, and then we have the Capernaum synagogue. We have Jesus teaching, so doing religious activities in a holy place. And then we have uh, this act of uh, confronting an unclean spirit. Okay, that's unusual, but right after that, we have them uh, going to Simon's um mother-in-law's, you know, Simon's house where, where he heals the mother-in-law. And then right after that, 
we have um, the evening coming and the sunset, and they bring to him all who were ill and those who were demon-possessed. And the whole city was gathered at the door, and he healed many who were ill with various diseases and cast out many demons. And he was not permitting the demons to speak because they knew who he was. And, um, and so this is what comes immediately prior to our text. And just a few things to say about this. Like we see then Jesus's ministry in Capernaum escalating and um, to include everybody, everybody, the whole town is gathered. And um, I'm reading a really interesting commentary of, from the sixth century by a monk named Philemon of Gaza. And uh, this is actually the first translation from the Greek um, that's ever been done. And it's it's just been published. It's uh, being edited. It was edited by a friend of mine, Daniel Bourget, who I did my studies with in France, and Gracie too. And it's called Le Moine Philemon de Gaza Med, Med, uh, Medite l'Evangile de Marc. So it's a meditation on the Gospel of Mark. And he has some amazing gems in this book. And one of them is that the term um, to gather, episunago, it's a fairly rare term, and it is pretty much only used with God as the subject of the verb, and uh, though it's in the passive form here. So the whole city was gathered, and um, and and so uh, Philemon is pointing out that that's really an act of God. God's you know bringing everybody together around um, you know around Jesus, and. And then he also points out that the term for heal here, therapueo, is the most humble form of healing among the three forms of healing. So, so in Yaomai, thero, therapueo can mean to serve. And so here Jesus um, is, is, is ministering to people in very, um, you know, non-overtly spectacular, miraculous ways. Of course, people are being healed, but they're being, um, they're being healed in, I guess, ways that are not so spectacular. Although it's pretty amazing that all these people are being healed, right? And he's casting out demons. And and so it's in, uh, it, that's the setting. He's, he, he's doing that into the night. And then in the morning, while it was still dark, uh, Jesus got up, left, and went away to a wilderness place and was praying there. So we see that Jesus... Um, it needs to be recharged. And uh, I can totally relate to Jesus here, his desire for the wilderness. And in fact, today I I went off into the wilderness and I try to do this often, especially in the summer, but it's something that I, I need to do throughout the year. And it's always been a place where I've been recharged. And so to find that Jesus does this has been really moving to me because that's that's been my you know, sort of my place, my preferred place where throughout my whole life, I've, I've gone to the back country, you know, into the North Cascades or, you know, the Canadian Rockies or Yosemite, wherever I've gone. Um, I mean, that was my, my original, I guess, calling was to be sort of a back country alpine climber and back country skier and rock climber. And, um, and it's in the mountains where I actually encountered God uh, not in the church. And uh, even though I grew up in the church and went to a private Christian school and everything, it was really um, on El Cap, El Capitan in Yosemite, um, halfway up the up the wall when, um, you know, 
huge lightning storm and that turned into a snowstorm. I, um, you know, I was at the point of thinking I was going to be struck by lightning and be killed. And, and it was really, it was on that wall in that spectacular place, you know, on a vertical wall, um, 1500 feet up the wall or so that I, I really had an encounter with God and I, and I surrendered my life completely. And I just said, God, if you get me off this mountain, um, look, I will surrender myself. I am surrendering myself to you one way or another, whether I, whether I die, just have mercy upon me, you know, take me into your presence, have, forgive me for all my sins. If I live, I, I give myself to you for, um, to your service, whatever you'd have me do. And I, I didn't feel like it was just out of terror. It was, it was a real encounter where I, I just saw my whole life and the futility of my life. And I, and I had an encounter where I, I just wanted to, um, I wanted to give myself to God. And, um, and that's been, um, something that in a way keeps happening when I go to the mountains, um, um, Philemon of Gaza, he points out that, you know, that God is everywhere. Of course, God is, um, in the, uh, with Jesus in the desert. He's with Jesus, uh, when Jesus is, um, you know, going to Galilee and he's, uh, calling the fishermen. He's with Jesus when he goes into the synagogue and here in Peter's, uh, Simon's mother-in-law's house, God is always there. But, um, what's really special about the desert is that in the desert, it's, it's only God and us. It's only God and Jesus. And, um, there's no one else. And so we can open our hearts fully, um, to God in prayer. And that's, um, you know, that's something that I, I think I'm able to really experience and I experienced today. And in fact, um, today I was on my way, um, out to the mountains when I actually, um, I stopped by this man named Larry, his house way up river from where we live, sort of near the wilderness. And, um, actually I was planning on just touching base with him to meet with him after I did my hike. But instead I, he said, look, this is the best time now. And, um, and it was really powerful because suddenly, um, this truck drives up with this, these, this couple that, you know, that cut big rounds of cedar and, uh, and they sell the cedar shakes. They sell it for cedar shakes and a guy named Joe and his uh, partner named Bubbles. And they come and then there's another guy that's right there with Larry named Mike. And, and then, uh, and so there we were, um, we, we all sat around and, um, and I felt like actually God gathered this group just right then and there, um, right on the spot without any for, you know, forewarning or, or planning. And we were able to read this text. And so we, we looked together at verse 36 and, you know, um, following this, um, this section about Jesus going to the desert wilderness and Simon and his companions, they searched for Jesus and they found him and they said to him, everyone is looking for you. So we were just talking about how, you know, that term search actually is like hunted for, like, it's a really strong term of just like really looking for Jesus, like, like almost like with a search warrant or something like the cops would do. And, and then they find him and, and they say to him, everyone is looking for you. And that term is seeking for you. And of course, the everyone that they're referring to is all these, uh, this crowd of people that you know, that had come to, um, 
Simon and Andrew's door and he'd been healing everybody. So, you know, that everyone wanted, you know, to get help from Jesus. And, and so Jesus said to them, let us go somewhere else to the towns nearby so that I may preach there also, for that is what I came for. So Jesus, in his time with God, uh, the clarification happens, happened, and he's modeling this for his disciples. He's showing um, us all and Jesus' disciples back then and there um, that really it's, it's prayer in, the, in our own quiet place, in his case, in the wilderness. Um, it's the face-to-face with God that helps us clarify and hear what our priorities are. And so his priorities are um, moving on, okay, because uh, Jesus is announcing the kingdom and he's going from place to place. And he's um, he mentions uh, that he must preach there also and because that's what he came for. And then it says, um, verse 39, he went into their synagogues throughout all Galilee, preaching and casting out demons. So it's not just preaching, but it's casting out demons. Uh, every time almost... Uh, that Jesus is engaged in Mark's gospel. It's it's that, it's those two things, and healing is often featured as well. And so um, kind of a simplification of ministry to preaching, you know, proclamation and um, freeing people from unclean spirits. And so then we have um, the story that I want us to look at that begins at verse 40. And, um, and a leper came. Uh, to him. Now, a lot of our translations say uh, to Jesus, but in the original Greek, there is no uh, mention of Jesus's name. And um, Philemon of Gaza points out that that's because um, the writer of Mark was aware that the Jewish, um, you know, the Jewish people who they were quite sensitive to, you know, to the name of God being associated with someone who was um, unclean you know, according to the law. And so they wouldn't use the name of, 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 of Jesus here. And the fact that Jesus's name isn't there is, is a sign that they saw Jesus's name as, as uh, the same as the name of God. So a leper came to him, begging him and falling on his knees before him and saying, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And so notice the beggar doesn't use Jesus's name in in this um, in this account either and um, or not the beggar but the leper and which wouldn't have been appropriate you know for someone with an unclean um, who's unclean to, to speak to someone who's holy even though um, you know we see throughout scripture that um, that for God uh, us coming in our unclean state is not a problem for God in fact God pursues us and um, and we see that God uh, that sin does not separate God from us. You know, that theology that God is too holy to be near um, unclean sinners is a theology that I think is um, is undermined throughout the Bible, beginning with um, the first, uh, you know, account of when the, when the man sins, you know, in taking and eating of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And right away, God is looking for the man and the woman. You know, where are you? And um, so God is in pursuit of, of the sinner, so to speak. And, and right afterwards with Cain, um, you know, after Cain is, uh, he's angry. God says, why are you angry? And after Cain kills 
his brother. God speaks to Cain, you know, where is your brother? And so on and so forth. We see that and um, we see it everywhere in the Gospels with Jesus being called a friend of sinners. So anyway, Jesus, um, right, right away after he's clarified that he's not going to just be there for, you know, for his, uh, you know, for the, for the people in Capernaum, um, that, that I guess are associated with the synagogue as well, but, but he's moving out to other places. And, um, and then right away we have this unclean person, you know, a leper who, um, you know, who shows up and, and I believe this is, this is really pointing out how, um, you know, how Jesus himself, his ministry is, is moving, um, out to the, to the margins. And, um, and this leper comes with such humility. Um, you know, he, he came to Jesus begging him, um, falling on his knees before him. So, um, this humility of this person who is, um, you know, who sees himself as unclean, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And we were talking about, um, this with our, with our little gathering this morning up river, you know, like, um, who are those that are not clean in our society? And, uh, and the people that I was reading with said, well, all of us, none of us are clean. And I said, so yeah. So if we did a, if we, if we all did a UA right now, um, and they said, oh, if we did a UA, we would all uh, have dirty UAs, you know, urine analysis. And, and so we, you know, we talked about just the term uh, not clean in our setting with Tierra Nueva really is referring to people that are, that are on, uh, under the influence of some drug, um, you know, like weed, marijuana, that stays in people's systems for a long, long time. And so, uh, if people have been smoking even a couple of weeks back, it'll show up in their, in their UAs. Um, but most of the people that we were reading with right then in, uh, to this morning were people that were using meth or fentanyl. And so, um, they were under the influence of heavier drugs. And, and so we were talking about how this person came to Jesus and begged him, falling on his knees before him and said to him, if you're willing, you can make me clean. And we talked about how really we don't see uh, becoming clean off of drugs as happening that way. Typically it's, uh, it's someone, um, yeah, someone does need to recognize that they, um, that they're unable to, you know, to become clean on their own and they need a higher power. Right. Um, but typically people would, would, would believe that they would need to go into detox. Then they would need to go into treatment and then they would start needing to, uh, attend regular, um, recovery gatherings, like, like 12 step groups, like NA or AA or CA or whatever. And, uh, and so here it, it, it's like the, the beggar, or the leper is begging for Jesus um, to do something that is almost immediate. If you're willing, you can make me clean. You, Jesus, can make me clean. So he's clearly seeing Jesus as God, um, as because uh, only God would be capable of, uh, of, of of making someone purifying someone. And it's beautiful because uh, it kind of gives hope, doesn't it? That that people uh, don't have to you know, have to make such a gigantic effort. Like, like so many people think, okay, the first thing I need is Suboxone 
you know, I need to be able to go to, uh, you know, find a methadone clinic or a place where I can get Suboxone. And, oh, there isn't one up here, upriver. So, you know, where can I go? And I don't have any money for gas. And, and, um, or if I need detox, like, is there a bed date? Is there a bed available? Or in a treatment facility, is there a bed available? And, and am I going to go? Uh, and is my girlfriend going to go too? Or is, um, or if you're a woman, you know, the, the woman may not want to go unless her, her partner would go too. And often they're not in agreement. So there's often so much difficulty just coming to that point of deciding you're going to, you know, you're going to, you really, really, really do want to be clean then and there. And, um, and to do it according to the protocols of our culture um, here in, in Skagit County in Washington State, um, you know, are just, it's very, very demanding. And so in a way, this, this man is asking for something um, that he believes Jesus can do right then and there easily. And move with compassion, it says. Um, that's the term splagizomai, which means like moved in your inner, inner organs, in your gut. Um, Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I am willing, be cleansed. So we see that Jesus, um, he, he goes overboard in a way, right? He, um, he breaks the rules by actually touching someone who's unclean. And, um, and then, um, you know, with the risk that he's contaminating himself and then making himself a carrier of, of leprosy of that, of that disease. Right. And, um, he's, uh, the man is already uh, broken the rules by not declaring that he was unclean from the start, right? And uh, like um, typically a leper would have to speak, you know, cry out, unclean, unclean, uh, before they came near anybody. And the, and the leper didn't do this, uh, didn't do that in this case. But anyway, Jesus is moved with compassion and he stretched out his hand and he touches him and says to him, I am willing be cleansed. And then it says immediately the leprosy left him. And um, it's interesting because here um, the first thing that happens is the leprosy is described as being something separate from the person and um, and is actually leaving when Jesus says, um, I am willing to be cleansed. and Or when he touches him and says that, those two, both the, the, the gesture of touching and the words, um, and so the leprosy leaves him, and then it says he was cleansed. And um, and it's interesting because it doesn't say Jesus um, cleansed him. It says I am um, I am willing be cleansed. He doesn't say I am willing I cleanse you, but be cleansed. And um, and then when he was cleansed, in both of these cases, it's uh, it's passive and and it's not clear who cleansed him. And um, Philemon of Gaza points out how. That's called the divine, um, you know, the divine passive, um, you know, where um, where it's God who really is the, you know, the subject or the subject of the verb. He's it's it's God like, uh, you know, blessed are the pure in heart for they will will see God. Or um, no, excuse me, that's not the best example of uh, of a divine passive, but more like uh, blessed are, are those who mourn for they will be comforted, you know, by God. But that would be an example of the divine passive. And here, um, there's a humility in um, in Jesus and in 
the Father, where where you know where no one is forefronted um, as the as the agent of healing. Um, but immediately the leprosy left him, and he was cleansed. And then um, you know, and that that really um, touched the guys that and the woman that I was reading with this morning, just about just about how Jesus. Um, well, first of all, he's you know he's not afraid to be contaminated, and um, and we were thinking about COVID and someone who was like like hacking away and you know and who had an active case of COVID and how you know in our in our culture right now what what we're doing going through with this pandemic you know this would be um, for Jesus to actually be filled with compassion and to stretch out his hand and touch someone and have a direct contact with someone who was viewed as um, having carrying a contagion you know that would have been really uh, seen as like kind of taboo in a way right but what we see is that the the love of God in Jesus and his holiness is actually stronger than the contaminant that uh, that the leper carries and so the the holiness of Jesus the the cleanness of Jesus overcomes the uncleanness of the leper and and so um and so he's not you know he he, he doesn't become uh, a carrier of the leprosy um but then what what happens next is quite fascinating verse 44 and he said to him see that you say nothing to anyone and um why would jesus not want this leper to to say anything to anyone but rather go show yourself to the priest and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded as a testimony to them. So um, it seems that the primary th- objective of Jesus here is to is to help restore this man into community through following the protocols of the law, which uh, require that someone who is cleansed would have to have that uh, verified by a priest who would be like the equivalent of. Uh, you know, of, a, of maybe a medical person or who also had um, authority, legal authority. And so um, it would be like going and getting, um, you know, a PCR test or something to show that you didn't have COVID or, you know, getting a blood test just to see that you, you know, you didn't have HIV in your system or, you know, or, or whatever it might be, right? And, and so Jesus, before this man says anything, he wants to, he wants this man to, you know, have covered the bases, I guess. Um, but what's interesting is that the man completely, um, I guess, breaks the rules. Verse 45, but he went out and he began to proclaim freely and to spread the news around. And um, to such an extent that Jesus could no longer publicly enter a city, but he stayed out in unpopulated areas, which literally is in desert places or wilderness places and they were coming down from everywhere so um there's a lot to unpack in this last verse um but one thing we can say is that the man went out and he began to proclaim and that's the same word um kiruso as preach which 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 is what jesus was doing um sadly my translation puts uh, he began to proclaim it freely rather than he began to preach um, you know, preach freely, which is really word for word what it's saying, and not preach, proclaim it. The, the it isn't even in the Greek text. So he went out and he began to um, preach 
freely and to spread the word around. And the word is the word logos, so spread the news around. And it doesn't have to necessarily be about his healing, right? This man becomes a preacher. And, um, and he takes on the role that Jesus had um, discerned for himself, right? He said, let us go somewhere else to the towns nearby so that I may preach there also, for that's what I came for. And so now this man who normally would have to be out in the wilderness and, um, and, and living far away from everybody. And let's just look, that, look at, at that to verify it. Um, if we look at Leviticus chapter 13, it's, um, it talks about, you know, the rules regarding lepers. So um, I'm just going to read that here. Leviticus 13, verse 45. As for the leper who has the infection, his clothes should be torn and the hair of his head should be uncovered. And he shall cover his mustache and cry, unclean, unclean. And that's like a cry out, like, like, like yell it out. He shall remain unclean all the days during which he has the infection. He is unclean. He shall live alone. His dwelling shall be outside the camp. Okay, so, so here, um, this man is now, um, rather than going directly to the priest and getting everything verified, he's preaching and he's spreading the news um, about, about Jesus and uh, perhaps the kingdom of God. Uh, to such an extent that Jesus could no longer publicly enter a city, um, but stayed out in the wilderness areas. And so what's happened is uh, Jesus takes the place here of the leper, doesn't he? You know, he, um, the leper becomes the preacher and Jesus uh, goes out uh, outside the camp. And, um, and so I think that this shows us um, something quite beautiful about, you know, really how, um, how Jesus is, is modeling ministry. You know, he, um, he exchanges places with, um, you know, with the marginalized people that he is healing in this case. And, um, he becomes marginalized and, um, he can no longer go publicly into the city. Uh, it doesn't say why, uh, it doesn't say that because he was so, um, he'd be, he'd be, have throngs of people wanting to be healed, although that's likely also, you know, part of what's going on here. But is it because he, he would be viewed as, uh, as carrying the contagion of leprosy possibly? Because he's, uh, if the, if the word has gone out that he's touched this leper, um, and it hasn't been verified that the leper is cleansed, um, then Jesus would be viewed as tainted. And, um, and I think this is something that I think Jesus, uh, the writer of Mark, wants disciples of Jesus to recognize that when we um, engage directly, you know, with uh, people on the margins of society. And, um, you know, um, in our Bible study today, you know, people were really seeing this because a, a lot of these people, they hang out uh, with each other. In fact, when I, when I arrived today, they were, they were telling me how they'd gone down to pay the water bill. And uh, because they didn't have, you know, the full amount, they had most of it, you know, by far the majority of what was owed, the, um, you know, the people in charge of the water of the town would not turn on their water, even though they have a man who's uh, had a stroke 
who's um, a homeless guy who lives with them, who's quite vulnerable. And so they were all um, commiserating about, you know, just about their situation and about how unjust the, the city was, you know, and um, because they themselves are all, um, you know, drug users and, uh, or, you know, they're, they're associated with, you know, with people that are, um, you know, that are unclean, that are, you know, that are not clean in terms of, uh, you know, they're using. Um, there's a stigma around that, and anyone who directly associates with them would be would be would be stigmatized in a similar way. And you know, and some of them were struggling with mental health issues. And you know, in fact, the the guy that hosted my gathering um, had a tattoo right under his right across his neck that said fifty one fifty, which is the the you know the official like criminal code um, that indicates someone is criminally insane. So um, this man had spent um, many, many years in prison and, you know, was a known, um, you know, a known felon who's out on bail, you know, who draws many people who are, um, you know, who are like him, who have uh, mental health issues and who might be deemed criminally insane. And, and because of that, he himself is, um, is even further maligned. And, um, and so this really touched them to see that Jesus um, could no longer go into the cities, but, but rather the guy that he, he had touched was, you know, was now, um, deputized and, um, you know, I guess maybe not officially, but was doing the job. Um, and, and almost like double, doubling it because it was, uh, he wasn't just preaching, but he was preaching and spreading the logos, you know, spreading the word. And, um, so Jesus was out in the unpopulated areas and it said they were coming to him from everywhere. It doesn't say who they were, but, um, but these were people, you know, who really had a need and they were drawn to Jesus because of, you know, the, the way that he was operating, you know, and, and up to this point, you know, what do we know about him? Well, you know, he'd spent 40 days in the wilderness being tempted by Satan right and and then come and gone straight to the most marginalized part of Israel which was Galilee and um and then began to proclaim the kingdom of God is at hand then he gone by the sea of Galilee and he called um Simon and Andrew who were fishermen and then um you know James the son of Zebedee and John his brother who were fishermen he he, he calls and recruits you know humble um working class people and um you know, and they follow him. And, um, and so Jesus, you know, then is, is freeing someone who's, who's got an unclean spirit. I mean, what would be the equivalent of someone with an unclean spirit? You know, someone with, um, you know, some kind of a mental health disorder, perhaps, right? And, um, and then he's healing just crowds of people, uh, beginning with a woman um, who, um, who's the mother-in-law, and then uh, people that are demonized. And, and so Jesus, um, Jesus's way of operating and who, you know, what he did, um, where he went, you know, how he ministered out of compassion really moved all the people that I was reading with this morning. And we gathered and I said, you know, how can we pray? And they said, well, pray for this, that we'll, we'll be able to pay the water bill. You know, uh, the other couple said, pray that we can find cedar um, rounds that we can cut up so that we can uh, sell it for shake. Another guy had um, a serious hip problem from falling and breaking his hip when he was being chased by a dog. And we prayed for everybody. 
and and then I went um, to the wilderness and and there in the wilderness I feel like God really spoke to me today about um, how um, how what I want to do really right now is start almost like little um, little gatherings where we can read the word in you know in places that are outside the church on some of the um, the reg- reservations the native reservations in our area and we already have you know the the one in the in this house where we were today but i feel called to uh, very much to you know to get the word out to spread the word out and to mobilize um people like like this leper who who after being cleansed is is then out there and um ministering you know freely and with passion and that's that's something that god really spoke to me today uh, there in the wilderness so Let's um, let's pray. So God, our Father, thank you for your amazing um, word and for Jesus and his witness and the way this story really shows us um, what does it mean to be a disciple. Help us to, um, to be like Jesus. Uh, Jesus, guide us and help us to be able to notice um, those around us that you're calling us to, to reach out to. And um, give us that same courage to be able to uh, extend our hands and to uh, go beyond, uh, the, I guess, the norms and the rules and be willing to break the rules and, um, and be willing to cross boundaries so that we can see your kingdom come and, uh, and to mobilize others to expand it even more. We pray in your name, Jesus. Amen.